The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franz and Andre Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Friday, you made it, August 9th. We are at another weekend, just one week away now from here, or excuse me, this will be the last Friday without local football until December. Or maybe January. Maybe January. Potato Bowl. Maybe January. Dido Potato Bowl. You can always hope. Eric Franson, Andre Stiles, it's so good to have you, however, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us here on another episode, Season 2 of the Full Court Press. Already one full week in uh, as we get into it. Uh, again, uh, Aggies are uh, continuing fall camp. Today was the last day for the public and media to uh, see those practices live. For now, on they are closed up until the scrimmage next Saturday at 5 p.m. for Family Football Fun Day. There you'll be able to meet the players, shake the coach's hand, say hello. Uh, we'll be there as well. Eric and I both will be there. We'll, we'll get you audio. and We'll give you the audio uh, coming up the following Monday. And don't forget, next Friday, high school football begins, and we'll have every team covered for you. Six goals, every team covered. And you'll be able to listen to that audio and, and, and hear the games of your favorite team on the road or at home. However you wish. Uh, it's it's so it's it's finally underway, Eric. It's it's exciting. We've already said it a billion times at nauseum and in spades, but it really is exciting to have football back. It is, it is exciting to have football back. Uh, it's fun going to the practices. To uh, now that the the players are in helmets and pads, um, it, it's brought a new level of intensity. Um, it's brought a different level of. Um, Who's really going to fight for which positions and what order do you play in? So it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's the high school teams are practicing. They're getting ready for their openers next week. Uh, it's a great time of the year right now. Eric uh, was able to go down and get some audio from a couple of players. You'll hear the audio in hour number two. I'll be absent at uh, five o'clock. I got to take off and uh, take care of some things. And so Eric will be on his own, but don't worry. He has plenty of audio and some great. Great coverage of Utah State Aggie football as he was up there for day eight of fall camp. Uh, Eric, anything stand out to you today? Um, I thought uh, the offense looked really good today. Um, the wide receivers had some good speed. Uh, I saw some great throws by Jordan Love. There were some wide receivers that were able to bring those in on some deep passes. A few that the, the pass was on the money. The, it was there, just the wide receivers weren't able to bring it in. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Sean Carter made this great catch down the sideline. There was a lot of action going to the right-hand side of the field and looked like Jordan Love was going to do something over there. All of a sudden, he turns and just tosses it up. And then I'm like, whoa, where's he throwing that thing? And then, yeah, there's <laughs> there's Carter just burning down the sideline and he was able to beat uh, the defender and, and uh, bring it in. It was a great pass right on the money. There's a few other plays that were kind of similar to that. Uh, Carter, uh, as I said, he was able to bring one in. Tompkins made a great play, but he wasn't able to make the sure catch. Uh, Derek Wright had a similar play. He wasn't able to bring it in, but uh, they were in position to do that. And I really liked some stuff they did on some red zone. Um, th- this is a team that's got going to have more weapons than maybe we thought they were going to have with this wide receiver core. You know, it's interesting as you as you talked about love. There's something that you know, Coach Jason Phillips had said off the interview and off record. He had talked about I want Jordan to be able to not telegraph anything. You something that Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and I think Ben Roethlisberger has been really good at it as well. And I mean, Patrick Mahomes does it with just no look passes, but uh, you don't follow the eyes. As a defender, you don't follow the eyes. Uh, you know, great quarterbacks will take a defender with his eyes and then go elsewhere. And and Tom Brady is really, really good at that. In fact, he says the best defender against him in regards of not just trailing the eyes, but actually looking at where Tom Brady's going to go and trying to and trying to, I guess, force him to throw to a read that he doesn't want to. You want to guess who that defensive player is? Um. <laughs> Could be any number, guys. Try Super Bowl Forty Nine when Bobby Wagner picked off Tom Brady. 
Huh. And in the fat night when they asked him about it, because he threw two picks in the first half. And that night, when the, after the game, after their victory over the Seahawks, they asked Tom about that. And Tom said, I will never, ever again lead Bobby Wagner with my eyes because it doesn't work. And he says, you know, as he said, I went to the field or went off the field to the sideline just livid that I let Bobby pick off that pass. And I looked at Josh and Josh said, let's not lead him with the ice. He's too good for that. And then Tom talked about how intelligent Bobby Wagner is as a defensive player that says, oh, even though this is the greatest quarterback and he can do that, that he studied it enough to say his eyes don't take me anywhere. I can force it by making him have to throw to a read he doesn't want to, and that's what he did. Anyways, uh, the same long tangent way off, but that's the same thing with Jordan Love. If he can be able to lead defenders, because in college, they're not smart enough. They don't understand quite yet. But if you can force a defender to go somewhere else with your eyes and then look that guy off and then go the other way, Jordan's going to become an incredible, really dangerous quarterback, as if he not already is. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, not leading your your receivers, not give, giving it away to the, the the defense, which he did against Boise on that pick. He, yeah, he absolutely stared his receiver down, and that linebacker knew exactly where it was coming. He, yeah, he had a tendency to telegraph a little bit in some situations. So, um, but I I liked how he looked. Liked how the wide receivers looked. I thought Jordan Nathan was making some big plays and on some of the end zone drills, uh, the tight ends. It didn't seem to matter who was running the plays. The tight ends were solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, with whatever, whatever unit it was, whatever the situation was, the tight ends looked really pretty solid. And I thought that the offensive line uh, looked pretty good today. I thought they were able to give a good push and some good protection. There were some situations where the defense got the better of them and ran right up into there and uh, would have they would have been sacks if it was a regular play on a regular game. But um, I thought that the offensive line was was doing a little bit better job today, giving giving the quarterback a little extra time. Which, and I think that was a problem for the first couple of days. Again, it's it's fall camp. It's all about improving, and it's all about getting better. Uh, and then I think that's something they've harped on, is, is being able to give your quarterback time, because Jordan Love struggles underneath pressure. And I think Wyoming and Colorado State kind of proved that. Boise State started at that blueprint, and then ran it and copycatted it to a pro and in so much really made Jordan uncomfortable for it's uh, for all four quarters, which Jordan wasn't used to. So uh, it's, it's a little bit more difficult in that regard. Yeah, um, I was also watching the the linebackers since we were talking about them the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to keep an eye on them. Metzenheimer was very active. Uh, I thought he was active today, making some good, good things happen. Um, and uh, they were trying to rotate a few other guys through and showing some different looks defensively. Um, but uh, I also thought Zahadri Jackson made some nice plays in the defensive mm. secondary. Cash Gilliam did as well. So um, uh, it, it's it's coming along. Uh, it, this is going to be a fun team to watch. This is a yeah. team that has a lot of confidence right now. Uh, when, you, when you talk to players, they just they love this coaching staff. They they feel like even though they had an eleven and two season last year, when when you talk to some of these guys, they all kind of feel like they have a chip on their shoulder. Like oh, there's unfinished yeah, business. Like right, there's unfinished business. They didn't win the the, the, uh, the conference title. They weren't were able to get there, and just with think people who left, coaches or players, uh, it's kind of like these all guys have this sense like they have to prove something. Uh, maybe I'm looking into it too much, and if I am, um, tell me. But the Aggies go eleven and two. They lose a close one to Michigan State. They don't lose the rest of the way until they face Boise State at Boise State. Uh, and just weird play calling, weird night. Ball didn't bounce their way a couple of times. Uh, and then Brett Rippon just tore that defense apart. But after the season was over, even after the 55-17 shellacking or something like that to North Texas that they laid on in, in the bowl game with a new head, new interim coach, if you will, nobody talked about the 11-2 season. Everyone talked about what well, we should have been hosting the Mountain West Championship or who's going to be the new head football coach. And I think that sits in the craw of the Utah State returning players. Of We went 11-2 and last year, and you don't give a flying crap because you're too busy wondering who our new head coach is going to be, where Matt Wells went, or this, that, and the other. No one's talking about what we just accomplished. Now, come basketball season, they do have this great season, and everybody's talking about 
What a great season that was, man. You went and beat San Diego State at San Diego State. You had the buzzer beater at New Mexico. Yeah, you went to the NCAA tournament on a sweet run in the Mountain West tournament. Everyone was talking about the recap of the season. No one did so for football. And I th- and I really, truly think that that absolutely irritates those football players. So they now this year, it's going to be a different story. Not only are we, as a Utah State football team, going to go and take care of this unfinished business in the Mountain West, but you're not going to just talk about a new head coach. We hope not. It's, it's going to be, hey, this what a great season this was. Two years in a row. And I think uh, that's that's their goal. That's where the motivation, I think, really does sit. Yeah, and there was a fair there were a fair number of national pundits uh, and some college football writers in the region who were really down on Utah State, very negative on the Aggies for going with Gary Anderson. Oh, they yeah. all had oh, it in absolutely. their head that this guy should never coach Division One football again. Uh, they didn't like how he he ended things at Oregon State. They didn't like some of the things that he was saying or being allowed to be said in the media about his assistant coaches. And uh, there was there was a prevailing opinion out there about Gary Anderson. And when he was given another shot to be head coach, um, a lot of them were 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 pretty negative on Utah State for allowing this guy to ever coach again. And, and, and I think that he's a he's a pretty driven guy. You know he sees that stuff. Oh, yeah, he hears it. He won't tell you that either. You know, Gary, Coach Anderson's pretty, and he, really his staff follows suit really well. They stay classy. They are very professional, and um, you're giving me a look. Now, there's some breaking news today. What? We need a breaking news bumper. Hold on. Wait, don't, don't do it yet. Hold on. We are going to do this the right way. We are, I am so sick of having breaking news. Hold on. Wait, what is that? Why? That is not breaking news. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Hold. Uh, I'm waiting. Yes. This is really, yes. yes. The, the anticipation is building. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm holding. Oh, ABC News Australian vintage theme. <laughs> Bingo. Wow. Okay. Now we can all be prepared for the breaking news we're about to hear. <laughs> I was in the that middle of a substance. That was very dramatic. Okay. Yo. Here's the breaking news. Okay. BYU's basketball star Yoli Childs. Yeah. Declared for the NBA draft last yeah. spring. Undeclared. And then undeclared and said, no, I am going to come back. I am going to play for BYU. It has just been revealed that there was a paperwork issue that wasn't handled properly. When there is now because of that, it's an NCAA violation. He will miss the first nine games of their season this year. Uh, if does, does Utah State play BYU within that window? We don't know yet because the the, the uh, full schedule has not yet been released. But the the um, ba- the, the breaking news is that uh, Childs did not fill out paperwork properly. It didn't get filed properly with after he intended to declare to go to the NBA and then decided he would come back and he would be part of uh, Coach Pope's staff and, and team, not staff, he'd be part of the team at Brigham Young University for another year. And it turns out that there was a violation with how that was handled uh, and uh, something that was missed. And so he will be uh, suspended for the first nine games of the 2019-2020 season. That would put... I, I don't have a schedule in front of me, and they haven't, like you said, they haven't released it. If I'm not crazy, though, that would put him out of the Utah State game at the Vivint Small Home Arena. Um, yeah, that I don't know. Probably would be in that pretty close oh, to that time. Oh, see here. So I'm going to... Depends look. on how many games, if they're going to a tournament, a preseason tournament or not. You know, I don't... Or not a preseason, but a pre-conference tournament. Something they do in the so non-conference for, schedule. So as a, a, I mean, this is a major, no, excuse me, a small, a minor sample size. But for example, LSU, let's see here. They have Utah State plays one, two, three, four games that we know of before they play BYU in that Vivint Smart Home Arena tournament in that Beehive Classic. And that's not the full schedule, of course. They're going to have some preseason games in between, I would imagine. Am I right? Yeah, you usually would. Okay. You usually would. Dude, their schedule is brutal. Utah State's? Well, it's not really brutal, but... No, it's aggressive. It's good. Yeah, it is. 
But, I mean, they have conference games on December 4th? Yeah, it's a weird thing with Mountain West now. They're starting a lot earlier. Usually, it would be right around New Year's that you would start the conference slate. But Dude. this year, they're, they're going to open up in early December with some conference games, and then it's a break. So, so it's a little weird, the way that they're doing it this year. When is the Mountain West Football Championship? It would be about that first weekend in November. It's gonna no in December. You mean? Yeah, sorry, December. Yeah. Um, I just want to know. I'm just looking here. Sorry, this is on the fly again. Breaking news: Yoli Childs has been suspended for the first nine games of the BYU men's basketball season after paperwork was not filed correctly. So it's oh, it's December seventh, which is <laughs> okay. So December seventh is the Mountain West Football Championship. December 7th, Utah State also hosts Fresno State for men's basketball. So is the... Uh, and the championship game is at 5.30, I believe, isn't Yeah, it? that could be an interesting day. Because the Beehive Classic for this upcoming year... Is December 8th, isn't it? It hasn't been announced, but they're saying... It was, Probably December 14th. December 14th? Because it's usually the first Saturday after conference football championship games. Uh, so, that by December 14th, they, they'd probably be close. They probably would be yeah, close to playing I nine think games. they're sweating that out right now. Well, in their first nine games, I want, and if they play a couple of... I I mean, I can't find anywhere where I'm looking for like a, like a, a even like a slight hint of the early season tournament. And I can't find anything for BYU men's basketball. I mean, not a sketch. If you all do, then great. Let me know. Um, yeah, there. I mean, they don't have anything listed. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the, this to circle back on this, uh, some paperwork that wasn't filed properly. After uh, Yoli Childs uh, declared to go to the NBA, and then he backed out and decided to stay with BYU, um, and then uh, oh my he wasn't gosh, that is so filed big. properly. So he's going to be suspended for nine games. Uncertain how that affects or where he might be when Utah State plays BYU. Could be what makes you wonder if it'll be a repaid of something that they went through last year with Nick Emery. Um, not with Nick Emery, excuse me. Yeah, it was with Nick. Was Nick Emery Nick? came back from suspension. His first game back was the game Utah State played them down in Provo. And uh, it was his first big game back, and everybody was excited. So, so we'll see. My question is, can he appeal that suspension then? Because if it's paperwork, uh, I don't can't. think so. I mean, they may try, but if it's released now, I mean, this was done back in May when this was all said and done, but uh, so, maybe they'll, they'll try to, to appeal it, but. So here's what the release has said, or at least part of it had said. After review of the NCAA agent draft rules and a reinstatement request, the NCAA has reinstated BYU for Yuli Childs with a nine-game suspension. It was determined he was not in compliance with the new rules instituted during the 18-19 season as a response to the 2018 Rice Commission report. Following the 18-19 season, Childs declared for the 19 NBA draft, signed with an agent. As of the end of the 18-19 season, student-athletes with remaining eligibility are, permit, are permitted by the NCAA to sign with an agent and maintain the re, re, I cannot talk, their remaining eligibility while they explore their options. Agents are permitted to cover certain expenses for their clients during that time. The NCAA determined that Childs signing with an agent was impermissible due to the fact that he signed before filing paperwork required by the NCAA. In discussing a possible return with the new coaching staff, it became apparent there were some misunderstandings with the new rules. On May 30, 2019, Childs announced his intentions to return to BYU for a senior season. BYU commenced the process to reinstate, reinstate Childs with the NCAA. It was determined that Childs received expenses not permitted by the NCAA, costs related to a basketball trainer, and travel expenses. Childs promptly paid back all the expenses plus interest. End quote. 
So, dude, he's got to be able to appeal that then because if he paid him back. Uh, yeah, but. And it, he didn't understand the it, rules. Well, here's the thing. It's similar. I was going to get into this next hour. It's somewhat similar where Utah, University of Utah, had a recruiting violation themselves and they self-reported it. They, okay, we, we made a mistake. We're trying to correct it. We're letting you know, but there were still consequences. So there are still consequences. Even if you try to correct it and make it, make up for whatever it was, there are still consequences. And so I think that I, I'd be surprised if they try to appeal it. I mean, I get why maybe they would try, but I, I don't, I would doubt that it's going to happen. Uh, Jay Drew, he writes for the Tribune, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, beat writer for BYU. Does He's a great been job. following this. Does a really uh, good job. He says that Childs will likely miss the December 4th game at Utah. It's the eighth game for the Utes because their schedule is pretty much done and released. BYU's hasn't been released yet. Oh, okay. Utah. And interestingly good. enough, last year, BYU's 10th game was when Nick Emery became available. Yeah, and that was on that. December 5th. Yeah. So if the he Beehive be Classic is December time. 14th-ish, Yoli yeah. Childs likely will be back. Here's AD Tom Hummel's statement. Amid, quote, Amid the confusion of the NCAA allowing student-athletes to sign with agents and still return to school, Yoli was caught in the transition of, changing, of a changing landscape. We are disappointed with the NCAA's decision to withhold nine games of a senior season. Yoli was honest and forthright throughout the reinstatement process. He clearly communicated a desire to return to BYU to graduate and complete and compete with his teammates. Yoli Childs is an outstanding student athlete with a bright future. End quote. Uh, there is so right now. By the way, which is kind of awkward at this point, Coach Pope is actually in a press conference talking because his team's leaving for Italy next Friday for a uh, four games and five nights trip. <laughs> next Friday. Great timing, right? So he's up there, and there is word that they're actually going to address the uh, suspension of Yuli Childs. Yeah, Jay Drew again saying, uh, Mark Pope, his comment is, we're incredibly, incredibly disappointed. Uh, so, um, yeah, they're anticipating that they would, uh, would have it done, but I guess they have already appealed. And uh, the appeal was not granted. So they've started so, declined. Right, it has well, been appealed it already. Suspended, and they've declined. They've already. Uh, they're, they're not going to grant that appeal. Dude, I don't like that. Nine games. Okay, if you're going to suspend them, but nine games for paperwork, Eric. I mean, you just changed the whole entire landscape of college basketball by putting in this new rule, and then someone who's just confused by how the process is has a misunderstanding with it, and gets suspended. Like, the NCAA doesn't want to suspend North Carolina athletes for making up classes. Making up classes to give athletes credit so they can be able to continue to play sports. A, a kid is just filling out paperwork, gets a misunderstanding or gets a, I mean, it gets lost in, in, in one way or another way, gets contruded and misunderstanding, and he's suspended for nine games. That's well, yeah, but dude, look, that's crazy. It, it, that's on BYU. That's no, on that's BYU. on the NCAA. Well, but it's on BYU to make sure that their their players know and understand the new rules and how they work. Yeah, it was different this year. And for players to be able to explore the draft and explore the process, it was different. But they, I'm, it's not like everybody had this problem. Namiyash Keta, he explored the draft. He had an agent help him out a little bit. And then he decided, you know what? No, I'm going to come back. So uh, that's on BYU. Uh, yeah, they're trying to say that Childs was forthcoming and was had great communication the whole time, but that's after the mistake was made. They, they needed to be sure and clear. And, and this is a wake-up call. I get it. It's new. Maybe not everybody understands fully how it works and the implications of it. But still, um, it, it's... It's a little bit of a clerical error, sure, but but nine it, games it, when it's it, it, the year before with a different rule that wasn't in place, he would have been gone. He would have lost his entire eligibility. So the fact that he only misses nine games, um, 
You know, yeah, it, it stinks for him. It stinks for BYU. And some people are going to debate that. And they think that uh, NCAA may be a little too harsh. But look, they've made it clear. I, I can't believe that that staff and that athletic department didn't fully understand the process. And this also was in a time where there was a coaching change and there was uncertainty about what it was going to look like for that basketball program. So it was a weird window there for Yoli Childs where not only understanding what it's going to look like when I come back, but making decisions to enter the draft or not and the coaching staff, they're on their way out. And they were checked out. So... That's, there's got to be something still in place. An athletic department still has to still has to follow the yeah. rules. They still have to make the, everybody aware. So uh, the D, excuse me, Beehive Classic this year is on December 11th. So you are pushing, like, I mean, tempting with hot water here if Yoli Childs is going to be back for game number 10. So wait, last year, did Nick Emery return for game 9 or game 10? Do you remember? Game, what? he was back for game 10, and that was when Utah State played... In Provo. Hmm. So the this international tour that they're going on, it doesn't count, correct? Yeah. Because that's not considered part of the regular season. So But how much is this on the NCAA for maybe not fully communicating the process? I mean, because you talked about, you know, BYU staff not being fully educated, which could be possibly true. Actually, I say possibly. It is true because they just screwed up. But how much is this is on the NCAA for not maybe missing? I mean, or not clearly communicating something. I, maybe it is some on them on their shoulders. But look, when they institute a new rule, they make it pretty clear. I'm... I can't imagine that they didn't have memos sent to every athletic department and every head basketball coach. Can't imagine this wasn't discussed when coaches get together during the final four or whatever. Uh, I can't imagine this was not clearly understood by head coaches and how it might affect their players. So that being said, there are times where Maybe a coach, is, he's checked out. He's involved with other things. He doesn't even know if he's going to have a job. Uh, he's concerned about his family if he has to move to a new location. And uh, his players, they're not sure where they're going to play. And so they're exploring other options. And the, the communication there really breaks down after the regular season is over. Yoli Childs, uh, <laughs> again, Mark Pope is at a press conference to talk about the four games and five nights in Italy starting next Friday night. And then came the breaking news. Eric, do you want to go ahead and read, just break, give that breaking news again since you're the one that found it? Well, I wasn't the one that uh, – I just the first one who Out of saw us it, right? But basically, uh, the, the, the bottom line here is that Yoli Childs declared to, uh, to – declared his eligibility to go to the draft. He wanted to go and be a professional basketball player. And then uh, there was a coaching change that happened – after that, he explored the draft a little bit. Then he decided to come back and say, no, I will come back and I'll, I'll play for Coach Pope. It'll be my senior year. I'll stick around for one more year. Uh, but in that process, a, 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 basically a clerical error, some paperwork that wasn't filed properly or on time. And because of that, he will be suspended for the first nine games of the regular season. Yoli says, quote, I'm super disappointed not to be with my guys for these nine games. Guys are going to step up to the challenge. I refuse to let this not be a special. I refuse to let this not be a special. Okay. Special season. I refuse to let it happen. I need to be the best teammate that I can be. End quote. Uh, all right. <laughs> Again, Yoli Childs has been, has been suspended for the first nine games of the BYU men's basketball season for uh, right. And I think we need to be clear, too, that he did and BYU did appeal this ruling. And it's the NCAA denied, denied it. Uh, when those games are, BYU hasn't released their schedule yet, so we no. don't know what those games are that he will miss. Certainly, Utah State plays BYU in the Beehive Classic. Yep. That'll be in early December. That might be in that window of when he yeah, comes they, back. I mean, this is hot water. You don't know. It's right. In that, in that mix. Right in that yep. window. I, so, I think when Aggie, Aggie fans, fans should be paying close attention I would, to amen, this. Amen, amen. And I think if anybody's licking their chops to get back on that court versus BYU, 
it's Utah State. They right. they definitely remember last year, and they haven't forgot it, especially one man named Namish Keda. Because that, that Beehive Classic, it's probably going to be second week of December. We're not exactly sure which date yet. Uh, there was, I saw one report saying it's probably around it December, is December 14th. December 14th, yeah. Somebody else just now saying it's December 11th. So, I don't know. It's not on anybody's schedule yet, so I can't tell you for certainty. Um what that is? Well, I haven't looked at Utah's schedule, but uh, bottom line is, oh, if there was a there was a weird transition that was going on with BYU's coaching staff, there was a new rule that allowed players in college basketball to declare to the M- NBA draft early to look at opportunities to hire an agent for the draft process and then determine if they wanted to come back to college or. Uh, still pursue their opportunity to play professionally. And uh, something with how Yoli Childs signed with an agent first uh, between what happened with the doing of the draft and the coming back to, U- to, to BYU, something wasn't filed properly. And it was a little bit of a mix-up there. BYU was trying to say that it was just a clerical error. There was nothing ill intent. Uh, but the NCAA is holding firm on it. And um, as a result, Yoli Childs will be suspended for the first nine games of BYU's regular season. He will miss games versus Mountain West opponents, Boise State, and most likely UNLV. For the game against San Diego State, it has not been announced on its date, so we are not sure if that will be impacted. Another game that could be impacted, as you've already mentioned, the Utah State Aggies at Vivian Small Home Arena in the year three of the Beehive Classic. Stay tuned. <laughs> Eric France and Audrey Salison, we got way, way off topic as breaking news again broke out of Yoli Childs missing the first nine games for the BYU men's basketball season. Come back, we'll get right back on the track of Utah State Aggie football. We'll also get your five best of five best games of the Aggie football season. And we'll clarify how we're categorizing that for you. Yes, I think it's very important because I've already received some questions on Twitter. I already put out my five best. And I've already had some people hitting me up like, why did you do it this way? And how do you classify best? So I think that'll be important when we reveal our five best because there are a couple different ways to look at it. And so we'll, we'll discuss kind of our criteria, how we determine five best. It's Eric France and it's RJ Salves from 433 time here on Friday, August 9th. Congrats, you made it to the weekend. We got more coming up for you. It's on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Francis, RJ Salveson, it's 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan here at 4.36 your time. The two-hour show, season two of the Full Court Press. Newly minted Full Court Press. Now as we do two-hour shows up until just after May, after high school athletic season comes to a close. Uh, so good to be back here for two hours with all of you, and thanks uh, to you all for joining us, however, wherever you may be doing so. Uh, again, breaking news has been reported, uh, and it comes from about every outlet possible. Eric spotted it on Twitter for us. And for you, 106.9, the fan listeners, that Yuli Childs, BYU's big man, who has decided to come back and play for BYU after thinking about going into the draft and hiring an agent, has been suspended for the first nine games due to some, as he calls it, or as the BYU University calls it, misunderstanding with the NCAA in regards of paperwork being filled out. Yeah, just a, they call it a clerical error of timing, of when paperwork was filed, what was signed first. Uh, They say that Yoli Child said a lot of communication with the NCAA and with BYU. They tried to correct it, make sure they were aware. Um, But uh, nonetheless, uh, he will be suspended for the first nine games. Um, Had this new NCAA rule with agents and the NBA draft been not been in place, uh, he... Probably would have missed the entire season. So at least he's only missing nine. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is that he's only missing nine games. Now, what nine games are those? We are yet to be known of. We do know he'll miss the Boise State game. He'll most likely miss the UNLV game. San Diego State versus BYU is yet to be determined without a date, as is the Utah State-BYU game. Now, that game is set, we believe, to take place 
on December 14th as part of the Beehive Classic at Vimus Mall Marina. We don't know if that's going to be game number 10 or game number 8 of BYU season. We're still waiting to hear. BYU men's basketball has not released their schedule yet, and I believe they will not do so until September, if not before. I mean, the, it's it's going to be pretty soon, I think. A lot of these teams are already announcing these preseason tournaments that they're in. Uh, the conference schedules for a lot of them have already been released. They're just fine-tuning a few non-conference games. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah State's schedule is released here within the next few weeks, to be honest. So, yeah. uh, Because you have situations like this where BYU's leaving to go play internationally. Italy next week. For a little bit. And uh, when you come back, you know, that you got to know what your schedule is going to look like and what your training camp is going to look like. So I imagine that it's going to be pretty soon before we, uh, before we see these Those schedules. Those four games and five nights that they're playing in Italy does not count as part of the Yuli Child suspension, does it? No, I don't think it does. Okay. Because it, those, sure. just, those are like um, Utah State did this a few years ago. Um, Tim Durier took the team uh, to Europe. Uh, oh, yeah. It's opportunity to have extra time with your players, extra practices, uh, games. It's like glorified scrimmages. I mean, you are playing against competition, uh, other guys, not just yourselves. But it doesn't count against eligibility. It doesn't count against games for the regular season. And you can only do that. It's not like you can do that every year. You can only do that every couple of years. Yeah. Which I think it's super smart to do for any coach because it's more time with your players. It's a way to get a head start on the season. Uh, it, it's a really smart thing to do. USU women's basketball has done that pretty regularly. They've gone down to South America. They've gone down to Mexico or Central America. So those are really, I think, valuable things for coaches to do with their teams, especially if they think they have a young team that they need to figure out. We're going to get into our five best coming up after this upcoming break. We're going to keep this segment short so we can uh, have plenty of time to discuss our five best, which is the five best Utah State games on the schedule. And there's a lot of different ways that people are asking Eric, who posted his results or his thought on Twitter. They want to they want a clarification of how of how we're scheduling it. Uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Really quickly, want to congratulate Idaho, who just smashed Washington in the Little League World Series, and like I think it was one of the opening games. 14 to 9. And they were leading big early and then ended up holding on, if you want to call it that, to, to beat Washington 14 to 9 in the Little League World Series. That's awesome. Good for Idaho. It's always good to see those Little League World Series teams from up, you know, close to Utah, because Utah sometimes isn't in it or all the time isn't in it. But that's uh, good to see them in it and uh, good for the little ones. You yeah. know, I, I always wanted to be in the Little League World Series just so I could show off to my girlfriend in third grade. <laughs> Did, did she know that she was your girlfriend? Uh, or is it one of those not, where... Not until I tried to kiss her. She, she smiled at you, and, and then so that, you declared and then that she in your quickly, own mind that she was your girlfriend? She and, quickly clarified that we were not dating. And uh, <laughs> I would say, because look, I held hands with her at the swing set. Oh, oh. And then she came and watched me play tackle football with my friends. So I thought for wow, sure we were dating. That, that's a commitment at it, that age. It was. It was for her. And then we sat across from each other at the lunch table. Well, she was sitting across from another guy. But we were still near each other, so yeah. I I I, I just I, I don't know where this conversation is heading. But let's we're running out of time. Let's get into our five best coming up on the other side of I this. I just break. want to know what happened, Eric. <laughs> it's the five best on Fridays, and uh, we're calling it the the five best games for Utah State this this season. But there's some uncertainty about what exactly that means. So we already put together our five best. We'll tell you why we put these together the way they are, but I've since been getting some good questions for you can look at it in a different light. And so we'll discuss that coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Branson, AJ Salson, 4:40 time, 4:44 your time here on August 9th. It's a Friday. Utah State football camp has closed its access to public and media for the rest of the way up until Family Football Fun Day next Saturday, 5 p.m. So uh, mm-hmm. Eric will be there. By the way, Eric is going to go tomorrow to get you audio after their first scrimmage. Eric is going to go there. He's going to get you audio so you know. 
uh, how the coaches, how the players feel about what how things went. He's going to... Uh, It'll be interesting because they're not keeping stats. Media's not allowed to go watch the full scrimmage. Yeah. It's a very closed scrimmage <laughs> that even the media relation guys are um, really going to be hanging out there for the full thing. Yep. So... It, it, I'm. I'll be very curious to hear from Gary Anderson after it's over what he felt like he accomplished. You also get audio from DJ Williams and others. That's right. We give you the best Aggie coverage as we possibly can. We'll give you that audio on Monday again. Family Football Fun Day next Saturday, 5 p.m. Same place at Maverick Stadium on Merlin Olson Field. Go out. And make sure you see how this team looks before they get ready for the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest Friday, August 30th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. All right, Eric. Let's get into our five best, and this five best will. Uh, topic over the five best games on the Utah State schedule. Now, you asked a great question in the prep room, and if, and we need to clarify for our Twitter followers of yours and for the listeners on this show, what do we mean when we say five best? Right, because you can look at it a lot of different ways, as in the five most important games, the five best, most entertaining games, uh, the five games that will be fun, but also important in the grand scheme of things for Utah State. So, in uh, the greatest potential for wins. So, for me, I looked at it as for the Friday Five Best, looking at the schedule for this upcoming season for USU, I looked at what games are more that, what's important? What's the most, what are the most important games and what games will be the most interesting uh, for USU. Um, and so that that was my criteria. Uh, I have since posted a, a different list for what may be the most entertaining on Twitter. But for, for these purposes that we'll talk about on air, my the, the games that I think are the most important, uh, but also most interesting. Um, my number five, I'm going to go in reverse order. So for me, number five yeah, please do. is a non-conference game. Uh, that's BYU. I think that it's non-conference. It doesn't ultimately matter for Utah State trying to get to a conference championship game, but it's an in-state rivalry. There's big questions about uh, BYU, if they're going to be on an upswing or not. They've got a young quarterback. seems to be doing well, but that's always a big game that has a lot of fans interested throughout the state of Utah. So for me, that's my number five. You don't want to lose that game. No, no. Uh, for me, my number five is Wake Forest. If you can get off to a great start, I mean, when's the last time Utah State has won a road game versus a Power Five team? It's decades. I mean, was Al Lewis born yet? And I'm being dead serious. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. Wake Forest to win at an ACC school on the road with Stony Brook ahead of that, and then a bye, and then San Diego State, Colorado State. And then LSU, you're looking at a potential before you get to LSU. You're looking at maybe four and O going into Death Valley, four and O, and a top twenty team versus what should be a top sixteen. Good. I have Wake Forest on my list too, but they're not that uh, at that position. So for me, my number four on next on my list, I have Fresno State. Uh, I think that the Aggies. Uh, well, now that they have Fresno on this on the schedule, Fresno's had a great turnaround. Those have always been really interesting matchups between those two teams. Uh, they are on the other side; they're not in the same division, but they're they last few years they've always been at the top of the league. And I think uh, uh, for Utah State to beat Fresno State, that's going to be really a big moment for the Aggies, and I think it'll be a really entertaining game. I think it'll be a really interesting game to watch. Yeah, number four for me is BYU. Now, the way the November month looks, which includes Fresno State and Boise State, and just before November starts, on October 26th, you got Air Force at Air Force. BYU is really the least of your worries because you've got two really imperative and tough conference games. If you beat BYU, great. You beat them for the third year in a row. If you don't, so what? The following week, you got to gear up and get ready because you've got Boise State. So... All right, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, my number three is Wake Forest. You discussed Wake Forest earlier. Uh, the reason why they're a little bit higher for me is that reason of, uh, I think it's a winnable game. Uh, I think that Wake Forest is a good team. They went to a bowl game last year. They're no slouch. Uh, and to, to win 
a game on the road against a Power 5 program. It hasn't been done in, a, in the modern era for Utah State. They've done a lot of different things that haven't been done in a long time. This is still the one thing that hasn't been done, beating a Power 5 school on the road. And uh, th- I think this is a chance to do that. And if they can, I think that really sets the stage early for the rest of the season. So that's, I think it's important for what it does for the rest of the season, but I also think it'll be entertaining because it's a good team. Uh, Utah State's not going to walk over them, and I don't think they're going to walk over Utah State. Number three, I've got San Diego State. Uh, is it 1-12 versus the Aztecs? Is that right? We never, <laughs> it's I, bad. Yeah, I think it's like 1-12 versus San Diego State, but they've never won at San Diego State. It's a Mount West Conference game. It stands out. Uh, and it'd be, and again, you got Colorado State the following week. You would really, really, really like to start off 2-0 with a road win and a home win uh, to split it off before you get ready for LSU. Yeah, uh, San Diego State is my number two, actually. And for those very same reasons, it's been so long since USU has won in San Diego. Uh, San Diego is just a team that's dogged the Aggies. Uh, even though Fresno State has been the premier team of the West Division the last few years, because it's been so hard to win in San Diego, that's why I had that game listed higher for USU in its importance and how I think that game could go down and how interesting it could be. And also because it's early in the schedule. Um, and if Utah State gets that win, again, that they're with the Wake Forest, if they could get that win and San Diego State, that sets up some really good momentum going into uh, the conference slate and going into the game against LSU. My number one game, uh, or sorry, are we at number two? Sorry, my bad. Uh, number two for me is the Fresno State Bulldogs. This could be a preview of the Mount West Conference Championship. We just wouldn't know where yet. Uh, Fresno State is a mean monster with a lot of great returning talent, and they're pegged to be the Mount West Conference Championship winners again based on that alone. So this will be a big one at Fresno State, by the way. Well, my number one, and we may have the same number one it looks like, but my number one game with the five best, so the, the best game on USU schedule for the 2019 season is the game against Boise State. I, I think that it means more than anything. Utah State needs to get past Boise State if they want to get to the conference championship game. It's something they've struggled to do. Uh, I think that the opportunity is there. there are, there's uncertainty about what their quarterback situation is going to be like, and it's late in the year. It could be a big determination between going to a conference championship game or going to a nice bowl situation. So for me, that's the number one game on my list. For me, the number one game, again, is Boise State. Like Last year was an absolute bummer for these kids, and if you don't understand, you should have seen Gage Ferguson's face when he was in the studio talking about that game. He's still mad about it. And a lot of these players are still upset. The ones returning want to go take care of unfinished business, and they want to do it the right way here at Maverick Stadium at what's probably going to be an 8.30, 8.15 tip-off or can be kickoff uh, while uh, the Aggie basketball team's in Jamaica enjoying the nice weather. <laughs> it's quite a contrast. Um, couple of, We've got some good responses on Twitter. Uh, Mamachi Doug says that uh, his number one game is Boise. Number two is Fresno. Three is Wake Forest. Four is San Diego State, and five is BYU. And he says, unless they leave Baton Rouge with a win. That's a clarification. It says a win be- becomes uh, a-, a win there. It means that it defines the season because my dream season still has that as a loss. Uh, and then also Chris Merrill, who's at State underscore Chris, says, uh, based on potential impact if we win, number one is LSU, number two, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, and Wake Forest. So... Good thoughts. That, yeah, that's really a great interesting. response. I like that. Yeah, because there are different ways to look at what games are going to be the five best. Five best impact if they win. Five. What could potentially be the uh, what follows as a result, or what's going to be the most entertaining. So that's what makes the the list of five best fun to play. <laughs> different people are going to interpret that differently. So uh, anyway, if got my five best online on Twitter, you can follow me at E Franson and see my list and some others that I've, uh, I just I've quoted your tweet to. as well. Uh, and you can find me at AJ Salvi, A-J-A-Y-S-A-L-V-Y. We got to take a quick break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour, get you ready for the second hour. I'll be gone. Eric will be here, but he's got audio. Of, uh, yeah, we'll hear from Caleb Rep. Yeah. We'll hear from Fua Lelua. Good. Ooh, I'm excited. Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. 
Audrey Salves and Eric France will get you wrapped up for the first hour of the Full Court Press here on August 9th. It's a Friday. Congratulations. Made to your weekend. Hey, our five best, Eric. We got about a minute left. I, I love the list I did, but given by you. This was by you. You thought about this. I really like that list. Again, some big games, a couple of them in November that stand out. What is your honorable mention five best game if you had one? If I had one, it wasn't on my list originally. It would be the LSU game. Okay. Uh, I didn't have LSU listed. I think that'll be really interesting. It'll have a lot of intrigue. LSU could be a top five team at that time. So, man, if Utah State goes in there and gives them a game... That'll be really, really fun and could set the stage for a great great season, rest of the season for USU. You know, we always talk about how scrappy Air Force is and how annoying they can be. Like, you think you're up big, you look at the scoreboard, and you're only up six, seven, maybe ten, with still, like, nine minutes left in the game, and you're thinking, how do we get rid of these guys? you got to go to Air Force. And the last time they went to Air Force, it didn't end well for Utah State. No, that's a good point. They choked big time over there at Falcon Stadium, so they need to go there and take care of business October 26th before you have to go face Fresno, Wyoming, BYU, and Boise State, back to back to back to back. You have to win Air Force or else nothing else matters really the rest of the way because you've already squandered one of your best chances to win. Eric Francis coming up for the second hour. I'm Audrey Salvas, and thanks, everybody. We'll see you for hour number two. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. You can't tell too much in week one of the preseason, but if you want to get excited about something, rookie quarterbacks are a good place to start. Kyler Murray went six for seven in his one drive for the Cardinals, and Daniel Jones a perfect five for five with a touchdown for the Giants. Start writing those Hall of Fame speeches. At least, that's what fans in Arizona and New York are thinking. Murray and Jones aren't your prototypical high draft picks. Murray is short for his position, and Jones didn't have big-time success at Duke. But so far, reports out of camp have been excellent. We're all eager to see what Coach Cliff Kingsbury can do with Murray, and the Giants fans are curious about when Jones will take over for Eli Manning. But before we get to any of that, there's still three more preseason games to overreact to. It's fine to be excited, but there's a long, long way to go before we'll be able to tell if these two talented quarterbacks will be stars in the NFL. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 